Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barry Illegal Podcast. On today's show is a big guest for me. Uh, we are coming up on one year doing the show in November, and uh, I don't know what the rhyme or the reason was to it, but when I started it, I said I wanted to interview John Morgan, I wanted to interview Jeff Vinnick. And I wanted to interview Brian Schaefer, and he thinks I'm making that up, but I've, I've got proof. I've got witnesses. Uh, you wouldn't know it to look at me, but I've been a skateboarding fan for most of my life. And uh, Skate Park of Tampa, whether you know about it or not, has become kind of a mecca in Tampa that has hosted all manner of pro competitions, amateur competitions, concerts. It's in Tony Hawk video games. It's been in collaborations with Nike and every other brand that you've heard of. If you are in the world of skateboarding, you know who Brian Schaefer is. Uh, above and beyond that, he owns the Brick restaurant, the Bricks restaurant in Ybor City, uh, a great restaurant that serves all manner of food, alcohol, beer, whatever. Um, you've had other. Is the Dam Am? Is that is that a, a third company? How many companies are there that are currently active? Um, well, you mentioned the Bricks, the skate park of Tampa, um, and then it's, it's really the event company, which is Spot Events, but under that we have Dam Am, which is like a, an international, global, amateur skateboarding kind of series. And then we do one-off companies, I mean, co- companies, uh, contests, like with vans, or if somebody's, you know, we're for hire to kind of host events as well. So what... I, I've thought about this interview for a long time, and it's kind of gone through different versions. You're going to have a hard time with that mic. I'll come over there and move it for you if you we're want. We're good, man. I'll we're, hold it up to you like we're uh, good. Nancy Grace. It's just blocking me from seeing your beautiful face. Yeah, well, you count yourself lucky. Um, one of the big things that I wanted to talk to you about, and I don't know why I've painted you with this brush, but I, I want to talk Claire Mel, because you're from Brandon originally, and through the gestation evolution of this uh podcast i've run into a number of people and they're all like hunter thompson or like these weird outlaw people and they all seem to come from claire mel so i'm wondering if you've spent too much time thinking about what claire mel does to people what what what, where you came from well being from brandon we had some friends you know some i had some white trash friends from claire mel you know but they were uh they were special Claire Mel's special, I think. You know, we talked a little bit about it before uh, getting live here. Um, it was just to us, man, that was a rough part of town. You know, as skateboarders, we were, like, having to fight rednecks or, you know, getting picked on, you know, like, I guess, what, 35 years ago? This would have been late 80s? Um, yeah, mid, mid-80s, I guess, you know, 71, 81. Yeah, so mid mid-80s, you know. Around 15, the, the beginning of driving, you know, and, and being at the Brandon Plitt and the, you know, the, the Rednecks would be at the Plitt Theater. That's where like Chuck E. Cheese or Kmart oh, yeah. was back in the day. So that was a hangout spot. And I remember getting like chased out of there and some punches being thrown. And then like we had to run from some big pickup trucks, you know, I'm going to dot your eye boy, <laughs> you know, but that's the, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the story. But man, we have, a, I have a lot of great friends from there. Like Dave Decker that everybody knows that plays in the band, Claire Mel. Claire Mel so, and Vaginosaur Jr. Yes. Yeah. Um, what were some of the skate po- skate spots in Brandon around that time? 
Well, there is like uh The mall uh, wasn't there yet, right? I mean, that's no, much later. No, not that mall, but the Brandon Mall had uh, some a small little like kind of like walkthrough area. And I don't know if Darby's Pub was in there, but I remember everybody being drunk. But we used to be able to go in there and they had an indoor like planner, but it was like uh, brick banks that you could skate. They were only like maybe three and a half foot tall. So we can kind of like skate through there and it was air conditioned. So we'd skate that. There's a... Uh, um, the Zhuk Hills that people from Brandon would refer to it as. And that was on, uh, I think it was Fort Brooks Bank. It was like a, maybe a, a 30 story building on 301 south of 60 back there. So it had small banks, you know, that were like small banks and a little hip. Um, that was maybe like, maybe just like two foot tall. And then they had, uh, bigger, steeper banks there that were maybe like, about five or six foot tall and you can kind of grind them and wall ride them and you know and then we would just skate were there any shops back then around that part that you remember going to uh skate shops yeah you know there was there was a little bit yeah of course i do man and in brandon it was like my first days were it it takes a genius and that's like on parson and, and 60 and and then there was a place called um uh gene machine <laughs> which then turned into the Cove, Skaters Cove by Big Wave Dave and Donna. And they were great, but that was like that was like North Brandon and then I was South Brandon. So they had their own thing going on right. and we had our own kind of a skate park in our backyard. Um and then there was like Skaters Connection on five seventy four that would hold a contest here and there. Um not a ton of shops, but just enough back in the day so you could, you know, get boards and get grip tape and and uh, but there was a little rival rivalry like South Brandon guys and North Brandon guys. What about so I came up in St. Pete and a lot of the skate shops in St. Pete were all out at the beach. There was Mad Beach uh surf yeah. shop. Uh there's was it West Coast? What's the one that's up on US 19. Is that West Coast? Surf well, there's West Side now. West Side, yeah. But that's now. But they've been, I mean, they've been around probably for, I mean, the skate park's been around for almost 28 years now. So I think West Side's been around, you know, around that timeline too. But, you know, we were going deep in the woods of being 16. But I guess, man, that's only five years prior, you know. Right. To, so what about any vert? Was there, was there vert to be had anywhere in Brandon, pools or anything like that? Um. Well, I mentioned that we kind of had a skate park, you know, at the, in, at the Schaefer, uh, the residence. Schaefer. My parents were like super parents, you know, for the kids. And I was super lucky to have, you know, that style. My dad is blue collars finest. So he could help build, um, which he did. So we had a vert ramp. Um, but prior to a vert ramp, man, when I was like 13 or 14, I would say, um, my parents, you know, we got our, first real boards at like 12 what was it and uh it was a i had a my first real board was a gns um like street cruiser it just had a pattern it wasn't a uh a pro model board but my little brother did get a neil blender and i was a little jealous the old snake graphic and uh it had going trucks with the groove and um the one that had the roller on the trucks oh those were z rollers yeah, yeah yeah i think that was a drug front that wasn't really, <laughs> you know, they were huge. And we're like, how are these guys got all this coverage, you know, you know, from Southern California, you know, yeah, you know, the Coke, the, the Coke but business had to get into the may, skateboard world. Maybe, just to, you, know, cover. you know, you know, so roller trucks. I knew you had a brother. Is it just you and your brother? Or? I have an older brother uh, and, and a younger brother that, that both skated growing up. Are they around still? Yeah, they're both still around. You guys um, close? I'm pretty close to both of them. Yeah. You know, what thankfully. are their names? 
I have Glenn as my older brother uh, and Wayne. I'm closer with Wayne just because we run in the same kind of circle and, yeah. and similar friends, and we're uh, three years apart versus four. And what did your parents do? Uh, my mom is a career hospitality uh, major, so she's was a, a waitress and a bartender. Uh, her second part of the life. She's retired now. Okay. Uh, thankfully, still around. Hi, mom. I love you. I know Hi, you're going to tune into this. Yeah, I know. And then my dad. This show's really big with moms, so mm, you're going to. My mom's going to love it. Yeah. She's going to follow you and start liking your oh, Instagram. I'm, I'm stoked. She knows more about the the what's going on in skateboarding than I do. She's like, did you know that white, little Wayne uh, <laughs> is in New Orleans traveling to Tampa? And I'm just like, mom, you're killing me. I, yeah. I love it. But uh, but my dad was blue collar's finest man. So as, as he, I mentioned, is he with us still? Or no, he passed away like. Just shortly after uh, the brick started, he was seventy. He died working overtime on a Sunday, turning wrenches. Just got what done is Subway. Is that is that? It's German. Okay, you know mostly. And now, were they from Tampa too, or did they come here from somewhere uh, else? We were originally from New York. Um, my parents and we migrated down to Happy Land because Disney World was the place to go every year, and my parents thought that that might save their relationship, and it didn't. No. But uh, I had great parents either way, and uh, they divorced when I was like 15. And my dad's parents, um, you know, were were born in the U.S. actually, but my mom's parents, they, they came from Germany. Okay. So they got divorced when you were 15. Yep. Officially. How, how was that? Did, was that, you know, as by trade during the day, I'm a divorce attorney. So I spend a lot of time arguing what the impact of divorce is on children and, you know, what – being with dad primarily is going to mean or what being with mom primarily is going to mean yeah. or anything. Did, did, did that leave its mark on you in any fashion that you can? I think since my parents never were able to show intimacy and love together, I'm going to blame it on them while I'm still single looking for love and trying to get married and still have kids. And I'm almost 50. Well, um, I think you show love in a different way. I think you're lo- you have a, a a breadth of love for for all the people that darken your door at the at the skate park. Sure, I got a I got a bigger family than than I could ever. That's right. Imagine. You're like a Will Chamberlain. You just got kids everywhere running around. So, um, have you always been in this area? I mean, Brandon to Tampa. Did you did you go away? Did you live in California at all? Did um, you- well, I, st- I stuck it out just enough to graduate. Um, but Where'd you go to high school. I went to Brandon High School. Okay. Uh, and then, but every, like from 16 on, I would be out of town uh, traveling, you know, like Pennsylvania. Uh, went to California like the first time when, when I was 18. But we were always up and down the East Coast, North Carolina. Was Pens- this for skateboarding? Pennsylvania, for skateboarding. Were you sponsored by any shops or anything? Or? Um, well, I was sponsored by, I don't even think I really ever had a skate shop sponsor uh, that I think about it. But, you know, like I guess around 18-ish, you know, um, just traveling and doing contests. I started to ride for uh, Dogtown Skateboards back in the day and Venture uh, because they were kind of under the same roof. Yeah. um, Which was super awesome. So, you know, getting packages in the mail was super cool. And then I had... uh, had an opportunity and one of my best friends, professional skateboarder in Pennsylvania, where I stayed on and off for like three, three summers, um, to skate cheap skates. They had an indoor skate park, but my friend that I became great friends with, Sean Miller was pro for GNS 
Um, one of the best vert skaters alive at the time, super great powerhouse. He's now since passed, but he got me on GNS cause I was spending a lot of time with him and the team manager at the time. Um, so, you know, and then GNS went to, then I got on a, a brand called think skateboards. And I remember was that the one with the spray paint can? No, they're, yeah, they had graffiti yeah, style yeah, logos, yeah. you know, and, and so very similar. It's probably exactly what you're thinking about. And then they ran, and then I was still on venture. So think was out of, you know, that program out of San Francisco. And then, uh, when I was about 1994, I, I went to San Francisco to build a ramp for Mac Schaff, which is a pro skateboarder. Um, uh, for real skateboards still, and probably one of the most truest skateboarders that never sold out. And I got a weird, you know, uh, sunglass sponsor and a, you know, a energy drink sponsor, but he's, he does 4Q now, which he builds custom motorcycles, but he still oh, wow. rips and he's got one of the best skateboard styles, uh, to this day. But, um, but I went out there in 94, he wanted me to build him a vert ramp. So I built him a, a vert ramp in Oakland. And then I met this, the team manager, uh, Ruben Orkin, uh, that has now since passed, you know, early age, died of cancer. A lot but, of, what, yeah. You know, but anyway, he, he put me on Spitfire and I'll never forget the day. And, and, uh, I'm still honored to, to this day to have those sponsors behind me and, and to get free stuff and, and, uh, have a, like I have a couple ads saved that when they did like this Spitfire kind of dedication team, you know, this is my claim to fame here. I'm super hyped to talk about it. Um, but I had a little Spitfire head with my name underneath it, and, I, and my guy was chewing nails. Oh, yeah. You know, so if everybody, whoever it was, like Jeff Hartzell, like he smoked a lot of weed, so he had a reggae, you know, like Rasta kind of color Spitfire head, and, and you know, everybody else had their kind of their M.O., you know, look with their Spitfire. But mine, mine had nails, and I got a Spitfire ad once too solely. Um, which was super cool. So I'm stoked to, I'm stoked how, to be talking about it. Right how now. long were you in San Francisco? Um, that was just on and off, man. You know, like that's, that's there. kind of, if, if I could pick, and you could probably correct me, but if there's a capital of skateboarding, it seems like there's a strong argument that that would be it. Man, it's great. It's just pure because you can, Bomb you know, the you hills. live in the and city, what was the big park get that, around. That's no longer there. That's like in all those videos. Um, big open park. Um, a lot of tables, a lot of rails. Uh, I think Gon's the gap or whatever the thing that he ollied there. Oh, it was um, the the bro- the brothers uh, from God, Girl. It's like it's in every video. Yeah, uh, Gon's did the big gap ollie over there. James Kelch in there. I don't know why I'm 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 drawing a blank. This right room has those qualities. It just sucks yeah. sucks away your. That's so funny. I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, who are the brothers? The Carroll brothers. There's, yeah, Mike. There's, yeah, there's like a, the, Mike and Greg Carroll. They used to skate that a lot too. There's yeah. a bunch of videos of yeah, them. Yeah, you got and it. And then the, what's the big staircase that's there? Uh, that was uh, Hubba Hideout. Okay. There was two Hubbas in there. Um, the big staircase is Wallenberg. Yeah, yeah. I mean. If you watch any of these videos, most of them, there's, you're going to find some parts in San Francisco. So for sure. So coming back, so was was that building the ramp? Did you become like a the the go to guy for that? Was that just something? Great question, man. Great question. Well, well, being out there and being friends with Max, then I became friends with Ruben, um, who put me on Spitfire that worked at Deluxe, and then I became good friends with Jim Thebo, which is uh, you know. 100% skateboarder, integrity stronger than anybody in the world, um, and just loves skateboarding. And then meeting him, he was pro for Santa Monica 
Airlines back in the day. And, um, uh, you know, pro for real, started real, became partners within Deluxe, which is um, uh, real, now Crooked, Spitfire, Thunder, um, and a bunch of other brands. But I uh, became great friends with him. And then I ended up building uh, his mini ramp and then relocating his mini ramp and rebuilding it. So I feel like I have a, a piece of my heart in San Francisco. And I also moved out there in like my early thirties to try to be a skateboarder and see how I could make things work. Cause things were working pretty good back at the park and we were doing a lot of traveling events at the time. So, so this was after the park was already going. Yeah. The, the park I'd say, let's see if I can do my math right here. I went to San Francisco in 2003, lived out there at, in Glen park. Oh, so the park was already um, 10 years deep. Yeah. It was, it was running really strong and we were doing a bunch of traveling events and damn am events. Sure. So a lot of my, my time was coming back to Tampa and doing Am and Pro. We had a great team at the skate park of Tampa at the time. And um, and then I was always on the road doing events. So it was kind of cool, but I never really got acclimated to the city. And then within, within a year, I just came back because I just wanted to move back and work on the park. Well, let me back up a little bit. So wh- where does the seed for the park get planted? Oh, man. Well, our first trip to California when I was... Uh, 21. So summer of 1992, me and four of our friend, four, three of my friends, we called ourselves like the life, the life tour losers in full effect. Um, so were you born in 72, 71, 71. So 93, you're just tw- young, early twenties. Uh, I was, I was 21, a couple months away from turning 22 when the park started, man. So it was, a, it was a, it was a young, uh, looking back at it now, kids at 21, they, they really can't even push a broom correctly. Uh, <laughs> well, no, <it's, laughs> it's little, I feel like I'm 21 until I hang out with 21-year-olds. Yeah, and I realize. yeah that's a good one, actually. Um, um, you, Well, I mean, to, to just the wherewithal to lease that place, I mean, it's like a big-ass air, airplane hangar out in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean... I mean, that's a lot of responsibility, a lot of finagling, a lot of, you know, to get, did you have to get dad to co-sign the lease with you or you know, how, how did that all work well, out? Well, let's, let's, if I can, let me you, just you, go you back where you on, go. on that, uh, on that summer trip of, of, of 1992, we had a private vert ramp that my friend Paul Zitzer that works with us and is our partner with our event company, um, to this day, uh, uh, had a private vert ramp summer September 91 to September 92 in Drew Park you know kind of seedy little spot over there but his parents as he was going to school who owned a skate shop in uh, Milwaukee called Phase 2 they wanted to just help him pursue his pro career or turning pro so we had a private warehouse in 92 and we knew that was coming down as we were going on our first trip to California in the van and so we went to San Jose ended up there and they have a great skate park. It was the San Jose Skate Park. A lot of the guys from NHS, uh, Corey O'Brien, Simon Woodstock, um, and a lot of the, you know, uh, Santa Cruz area dudes, San Francisco dudes. And they had two phases of this park. But when we were there, they ended up, they were living at the skate park. So they were living in the office. It had showers. It had lockers. It had offices they converted. And it was, you know, mini ramp vert ramp street course and it, it was it was, it was ahead of its time and yeah. and it kind of really dawned on us to to go like man we know our vert ramp's coming down what are we going to do how are we going to get it back up so all four of us were like let's see what we can do to try to raise money and and get a warehouse and you know 
we need a place to live so maybe we can pay rent. You know, we're all 20, 21, maybe still living at home or in some apartments, you know, shacked up with a bunch of people and um, came home, took the vert ramp down, stored it at my dad's shop, you know, in, in Claremel basically. Right. Um, and, and we just started all trying to put some funds together and figuring it out. And I had saved some money building houses and, and, uh, we went into it with barely any money. Nobody had any money. Everybody had rent money. We had a vert ramp. And, um, so I saved like 10 grand. My parents took like a, a second mortgage out to take five grand. It's not much, right? But five That's exactly grand. what my dad gave me to start my law practice, yeah. 5,000. And at the time it seemed like you know, a mint. Dude, but I was like, you know, amen. Thank you. Yeah. But I remember the, the loan payment for three years was $170 and 98 cents. And my parents were like, are you sure you can do it? I was like, I can wash dishes. I can make this work even if the skate park doesn't work out. And, and so, you know, the real, the real hook and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the lotto for us was we were in and out of a lot of buildings. My friend Darren, uh, and Kyle, who found the lease and, and found the, the broker, um, we were in and out of a lot of buildings. And then, but this building happened to be vacant, cobwebs all over. And I met a realtor named George Lackey, who I have beers with every few months. He's my mentor. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have this man in my life because he's like gave us an opportunity and through everything, I've always paid rent. And if I was late, he gave me a break. And if I needed to not, you know, if, if he was going to increase the rent, I'd be like, well, we'll be responsible for the roof. Please don't increase the rent. And then yeah. now we're like patching the roof, which was huh. sketchy. And we're still patching the roof to this day. But George Lackey was like, well, Brian, I looked at him and I had like my nicest like drawers button up golf shirt, my nicest pair of like big ass jeans at the time. Yeah, the court clothes on. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, things were big back then. So I imagine we look like, you know, clown <laughs> skateboarder dude at 21. He's like, I was like, listen, George, look at me. I got my best shirt on. What is it going to take for us to rent this place? And the rent was like $2,800 uh, at the time. And usually it was first month's and last month's rent or a deposit. He's like, well, Brian, I know I'm going to be chasing you down for the rent soon. So if you can come up with three months rent, I'll give you one month for free on top of it. And that should get you started. If you can come up with that, I know I'll probably still be chasing you down, but I'll give you the opportunity. And, uh, he did. And, um, we barely made the rent for years, but we made it. Yeah. Um, and things just started shaping up and working out where we were able to pay the bills a little bit more. And there were scary times over the years. And we all lived at the park. I lived at the park for two years. And so that's how the park started. Seeing it in California, knowing our vert ramp was coming home, coming down, we came home from our first trip. Um, and then George Lackey was the hook. You know, it was the best warehouse for our time in the middle of Columbus Drive, which was a little seedy. Still is a little bit with a couple of the, the strange and, and dirty hotels around. But uh, we were very fortunate, you know, and crazy. It's been 28 years, and I'm stoked that I still have beers and, and meet George at mostly Hooters. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have kind of a catalog in your mind of events that kind of marked the, the a new chapter in in the skate park? Like the, after this event, we got we're known nationally, and then after this – you know, is it that sort of thing that you kind of mark as like big events, big chapters in the life? 
You know, I I don't specifically because it was just we were grinding every time, you know, and one event led to the next event. And then, you know, and next thing you know it, you know, we had DVS and Quicksilver and brands like that sponsoring the contest. And, and at the time, you know, you know, it was it was great money and we had more money to to have like a ten thousand dollar purse versus like a thousand dollar purse when we first started with airwalk you right. know like our first our first pro contest was like with airwalk you know and a couple other brands that gave us some product for banners and so but milestones or, or markers that were like this one's gonna put us over the top i think every event and everything we did and and we progressively kind of marched forward and did other events that gave some more exposure to the skate park of Tampa. And then we had a mail order and then we had our first website. And so everything kind of just fell in place, man. And and nothing really stands out as being like that one contest gave us this, but you know, but having the, the contest when we could do the live webcast, you know, it was like on fuel TV back right. in the day. And yep. they came in with like blue torch, if I'm correct. And like, um, and I could be wrong. It may not be Blue Torch, but you know, we were on no, live on fuel. And when we did that, they gave us, they burned a CD that, and they gave us CDs to give to everybody of the live show. And that was really cool. So a lot of like, a lot of moments in time to, to make it where it is today, but nothing that's like now that made us, you know, successful or anything well, like from, that. From my perception, when it started, it was just the vert ramp, right? There was no street course in there. Well, the vert ramp and the blue bench. Everybody okay. will remember the blue bench that we stole somewhere that was uh, had you'd fill it with water, so, so it weighed it down, yeah. and it was like a plastic. It was only like maybe five foot, you know, uh, you know, long, you know, and sixteen inches wide. Right. But you could move it around, so that was a hot item. Uh, my buddy Leonard Trubia built a sick, two foot tall, steep spine. He claims it was the best thing that saved the skate park, but it was the worst <laughs> thing ever. Um, and then we had a pyramid and a roll in. Um, and that was it right from the start. And honestly, when we moved the vert ramp in, the coolest thing about it was move the vert ramp in. It was up in two days, you know, because it was in pieces that had been sitting for three months outside under tarps. But it was rad. It's like got the lease. It was Christmas, slept in the warehouse, loaded the vert ramp in, cool. put it up in two yeah. days, the blue bench. And, you know, some wood. And we just kind of slowly started building it one obstacle at a time. Now, when did the shops, I mean, the shop was kind of came later, right? That wasn't there at the outset. Well, I would like to take this time to let the world know that you can shop at SpotTampa.com. Well, well, I'm going to definitely push it at the end of this because that's another evolution is the online part. But but the Uh, store inside, I mean, when did that start? How long after that opened? Well, man, you know, well, we had the check-in counter. So we had a shop with blank walls and we built some board racks and I knew my friend Slappy from like league jeans who we had met at at skating Santa Cruz skate park in 1992 and became great friends with. And he took us out shooting guns, but he's a designer. So he like, you know, um, did, uh, um, like consignment for jeans and he sent us jeans. So we had a little pop-up rack and all our friends rode for, brand so they would sell us boards or give us the t-shirts and you know it went from our stuff for sale like a couple stickers and a deck and a board and a t-shirt to you know we had to get grip tape and bolts so it was really small and you know the shop now is to me it's it's enormous and but all those 
if 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 I was there next time, I have to give you a tour of how the 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 evolution of one office turned into two offices for the shop, and then we kind of kicked some residents out and expanded the shop. And well, then the last time I was there, you've got a new parking lot I'd never seen before on the east west side of it. That just means you haven't been there since I know uh, that's, maybe that's me, not maybe you. A decade. I'm well, just well, no. Every time I go there, there's something new. Like the the shop when I first went there was about half the size of what the shop is now. Um, then after behind the outdoor park is a whole other indoor park and like a cafe, which that was relatively new since I've been there. Yeah, it's you're right though, man. We've every 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 time we have the opportunity to kind of expand to make it better. It's like Disneyland we, anymore we, for skateboarders. We, we continue to do that, you know, and and you know, we're in the middle of doing, you know, more innovations now and we redo the course every year and we just try to make it so it's accommodating, uh comfortable and yeah, the the venue that you saw, we expanded that like Probably three years ago, it used to be half the size and small, but we made it big enough to show to do music in yeah. there. Um, so we do music sometimes and video premieres. Yeah, talk to you about so. that, Virginia, before you leave. Because yeah, no problem, share, man. Share I could stay that. all night. I'm having a great time. All right. So a uh, couple couple things that I wanted to ask you about. One is, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but everything I know about business, I learned by fucking it up. Um, I came. I opened my law practice. <laughs> no one in my family ever owned a business. No one had, you know, had to run a credit card, make change for anybody, figure out their corporate taxes, any of that stuff. And so at 20 years in, not quite as far in as you, but still like everything I know, it's because I royally screwed it up at some point. Sure. Was that kind of your experience? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, from paying taxes. Or not paying to, taxes. As or, <laughs> we were pretty uh, kind of, I was kind of, we were kind of on it, yeah. you know, but but it was definitely learn as you go. And, um, you know, we have problems with insurance um, that almost closed us down a few times. Thankfully, George Lackey had our back and would always do everything he can to be like, just keep the doors closed. There's two other businesses on a property. Maybe they'll look at those businesses and just go, what's this skate park thing and, and ignore it. And, from time to time, they would. They, he knew the business, so then there's a brand you know, way of doing business too. It like, is a, brand a whole other, way. yeah. There's a whole other kind of. It's, so. it's funny that you mentioned that. My all my friends and maybe myself sometimes we're still sneaking into shows and collecting wristbands and and uh, putting some gum on there and getting in the shows for free. So my my wife's grandfather Joe Basiglio was a he did plaster work and he used to do like the Traficante houses and yeah. all this other stuff and they had the dairy out on three hundred one and um it's all you know handshakes spit in your hand all this kind of stuff and you know having those relationships and knowing those people out there will get you pretty far the Brandon way the Brandon way of life well you know I had this thought just a moment ago that you said your parents moved here because of a theme park and you ended up building in some ways, a theme park here in Brandon. So there's kind yeah. of some synchronicity there too. Uh, you know? Yeah, I gotcha, man. It's a uh, man. It's when I think about that, my, well, my, my parents were awesome. You know, yeah. I, we had a cement bowl in our backyard, which I didn't tell you about and a vert ramp. Um, when I was 14 to like 18, you know, my parents were awesome. Um, but we had moved down to Florida when I was eight, third grade in 1979. Oh, so you had some time in New York before yeah, you moved down. Eight okay. years, you know, okay. through second grade. Um, uh, Long Island. So I grew okay. up in Islip, uh, okay. Bayshore. 
Okay. Um, and but we moved down here at eight. My parents wanted to kind of try to figure out their relationship, and we had an uncle down here. My dad was going to start a boat business with them. That fell through, but we landed in Brandon. My mom's in the same house, you know, still forty years later. Um, but my parents, after I got my skateboard, which I was mentioning from the Magic Mall, I think, uh, I think it might have been called Magic Skate on Florida, and um, I don't know Bush, but uh, anyway. My parents used to take us to the Bro Bowl, and it was it was raw, man. It was like there was tension, you know, racial tension back then I mean, the because projects, the projects yeah. were there. And, um, you know, you'd see it coming, man, and we'd, we'd bounce when we were older. But at that time, you know, we were dependent on our parents driving us there. So we'd skate. The bottles would be flying. There'd be like, you know, 20 brothers riding their bikes around in circles, you know, young and old. And then it would be like, man, my dad was like, man, I, I can't bring my kids there anymore. So one one Christmas, he brought home a little bulldozer, a little bobcat. Oh, my God. And just just dug ass. a hole right next to our kind of Claremel above ground pool that we had, you know, and, and uh, we started pouring concrete. So we had a not a, a replica, but my, the concept, my dad was like, I can do that. So, you know, we got, you know, yards of concrete, some wire, made this French drain with a 55 gallon drum with some rocks and, you know, six yards of concrete. We had a ball. I'll have to show you some photos of it. And then, you know, uh, we had built a vert ramp down up the road in, in Brandon and then it came down because it was, uh, in the suburbs. So it just fit in the backyard. So you were towering over everybody's. So like backyard. People so people were like, or... they're like, get that out of there. So we, they, they had to get it, you know, we had to take it down there. And that was straight out of Thrasher ramp plans when we built it. It was super funny and super fun when I look back now. Remember but... sketchy ramps when you were a kid, like ramps, you have no business jumping. Like I, I remember my dad bought, built me one that had no transition at all. It was literally like your nose would hit it before your wheels would. And dude. Fuck you, you up. and everybody's, your dad and everybody's dad <laughs> thinks they had, they knew what it took and they built all this crap, you know, yeah. it's like sketchyramps.com. Yeah. All the dads are like, let me do that. I can do that. You know, how do you bend the plywood? Oh, a bunch of dads missing fingers from yeah. rotary saws. <laughs> yeah. But I was very lucky, man. My parents, you know, hosted us. They were the super parents and, and, uh, we had an above ground pool that lined up with the round trampoline and the cement bowl. And then the vert ramp. So you could jump off the vert ramp on the trampoline into the, the pool. And the pool, it was epic. We had the parachute liner. It was seven feet deep in the middle. So you could do flips and dive. That sounds badass. Yeah. And we any had that. video, any like uh super eight or any kind of like there's there's some there's some old there's some old video, some VHS back in the day of, of that. I'll have to show that to you too, man. So hearing about your dad, it, it gives me a, a, a perspective of you because you know, you you're very much I can do that type of person. You know, I wanted to ask you about the the bricks, you know, how that concept came about. Man, the um well, I had come back from um, California, um, and every time we do events for the Am and Pro, we'd always head to Ebor, you know, and send everybody to either a club or a weird sports bar. There was never the perfect spot. Like New World back in the day, we're like, 
I don't think it's a good idea. You guys are too rowdy, you know, and, and I don't blame them. We're rowdy. Skateboarders and, uh, is a special kind of person. I mean, you, you, you've got to, you've got to know what you're getting into with that. Yeah. So for sure. I think one time we did a, a kind of a mellow party there and somebody lit like a giant brick of fireworks off or firecrackers. And that might have Steve bird might have just been. I don't really want everybody <laughs> over here, you know, and when we roll, we roll thick. It's the whole contest. But so I remember like us always going to like JJ's sports, which was upstairs across from Samurai Blue. And, uh, but nobody really ever got how to host us, you know, or we'd bring them thousands of dollars and then I'd have like a, a $15 tab and they'd be like, $15. I'm like, just buy a couple beers, please. So yeah. <laughs> I, I live down there and I have since um, 2007. So, man, it's already 13 years. But living there, growing up there, being a skateboarder from Brandon, Ebor City was the shit. You know, we'd bring a street ramp there, drop it in the Tropicana parking lot um, during Wabaween, you know, when it yeah. wasn't as, as heavy as it used to be and it's no longer around. But, um, so I've been in and out of Ebor our whole life and then moving, you know, into the skate park three miles from Ebor City. We were in Ebor every time we had the opportunity, but living there and trying to find one, a place to eat that really is our style or a place to drink that's our style. Um, I was in and out of bars and warehouses from Seminole Heights to, you know, through, uh, you know, where, um, uh, copper tail is, yeah. um, and in unique spaces and the space that we're in now just happened to be like, there it was. And, and, uh, I, I had been trying to just dream and have a concept of like, it'd be great if we could have our own events and we could have our own food and our own beer and a small stage. And it, it just, the timing, you know, we were able to, what year was it that you, opened? 2010. Okay. So we've been there in 2010. We were able to buy the building. I mean, the bank owns the mortgage. Um, but cause you had a shop next to that yeah, for a while there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was spot Ebor and that, that worked for a little bit, but it was like, it's retail doesn't work in Ebor city, you know? And yeah. then we just, we, we ended up, end up closing that down, which was a good thing. And then it just opened up more space to do events and art shows and like an expansion belt over there. But we're super fortunate over there. And I'm thankful once again, my dad, you know, always had my back and blue collars finest. He helped us build that, you know, and without him, I wouldn't have been able to get that off the ground. Now, do you have a partner in that? Nope. Okay. Uh, you know, fortunately, I, I've been able to do it solo. But then again, unfortunate. Sometimes it's a lot of work. And well, so I want to me- ask you about that because you mentioned not being married, not having kids. Like, like, what do your days look like? What time are you up at? What are you? How late are you out? You know, how does what it's, does this uh, require of you? It depends on what year it was. I mean, I've been totally piled out in my thirties where. I was drinking every night and still maintaining, you know, my responsibilities with the skate park. Um, but today, this, this month, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm up at seven right now and, and trying to figure out how to work on my time management because I'm either at the bricks or I'm at the skate park. Um, it's been different now because usually we're on the road, but since COVID hit this year, we haven't done one, one traveling event. And usually we're doing about six to eight events, you know, whether it be Japan or Barcelona or LA, Chicago and New York. So has that impacted the bottom line? Yeah. The event company is broke and, and, uh, I'm just going into debt with some loans to pay Paul Zitzer cause he's the shit and I don't want to lose him. 
Don't want to lose. And he's working with us still. So thankfully. So yeah, man, it's been a rough road this year on that, but we'll get through it. And, you know, thankfully. I mean, the park is going. I mean, people are skating there. I don't know if you're still doing the classes right now or any of that stuff. Yeah, we're, 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 we're up and going. We had to furlough, you know, a lot of the uh, salary employees, uh, which wasn't easy. Um, But everybody seems to be like hanging in there on their own kind of elements that aren't that they are the those that aren't working with this and we kind of had to rebuild you know a whole kind of concept or not a concept just a whole whole new flow we're not doing events so we don't need a whole team to do events and we don't do events so we don't need the art guy to do flyers and so we're kind of just doing more with less and it's working less hours and people are using the park you know during those hours and new people are getting involved in skateboarding and and uh you know, girls, women, that that's taken off. So there's a lot of participation there. And we're still doing camp, you know, and and we're still keeping everything as, you know, as clean and safe the best we can. And and with the bay doors, everything's kind of open, you know, and we're very fortunate there. And, you know, I wish I could say the same thing about the bricks, but it's, yeah. it's working. That's getting better one day at a time, too. So we're very fortunate. Well, there. I mean, at least you had foods getting served there so you could stay open. A lot of these places that were just bars and live live venues, you know, I've been talking yeah. to Tom DeGeorge a lot about that, what they're going through. I listen to the podcast, man. I feel sorry for everybody. And, and thankfully, some of the venues don't have greedy, you know, landlords. And it sounds like it's working out, but that doesn't mean you have money in your pocket right now. Right. And, um... You know, the whole world's in a crisis and a financial cliff is probably going to happen and, and we're just not aware of what's what's The ripples ahead. of this, I think, are just going to be so much more than we can even conceptualize right now. Yeah, I think the one thing that, that, uh, that I could take from that or this, I mean, we're all still going through it. Everybody's trying to do the right thing and they're, what is the right thing? And everybody's like, that's the wrong thing. Well, I think everybody just needs to do what they think is right and- and just move forward. And that's the way it's going to have to be. I think it's going to, I think COVID will be around forever and it'll just be, you know, another, another virus or another reality. reality. And, um, but I think through, through this, it's, it's given us or me personally, we can shut down and we can take it easy and we're not going to go out of business and we're not going to lose our customers, you know? So it was nice to have a different perspective looking into it while we were idling for three months closed. That's a great point because, you know, I had this existential dread running a business that literally like if I rest for one second, it all goes away. And this has given me that amount of perspective. And I'm surprised and I'm blessed because I know that not everybody can go three months without, you know, but I'm seeing like, you know, talking to Tom and some of these other people, it's like, I don't know how you did this for a year or, or going on a year, or all this other stuff. And it's, it's amazing the perseverance and the willpower and just finding a way that you, yep. you can, you can make it happen. Uh, part of this show is, is very much focused on music and you have kind of a rich music history, uh, at skate park at Tampa was music part of your life as a kid. I mean, it's hard to be a skateboarder and not have music involved yeah some, man in some i mean way, it, it, go, it goes hand in hand mostly with 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 i think any skateboarder in some regards especially the older older days i think i don't think kids have instruments at their disposable at their at their disposable at their disposal uh, as much um because there's so many different genres of music but at the skate park we always had a set of drums 
And oh, there, really? was, there was always an, an amp around and somebody would always bring their guitar. So we were always surrounded by music, you know, and then we were always doing shows, you know, fortunately, you know, we had a space and we could throw really sick parties and, um, you know, uh, our early anniversary parties went from, you know, we had Sam, I am hot water music, um, just so many great bands back in the day. So I, I I was going through. I saw Bouncing Souls, but Dinosaur Junior was the one that that stuck out for me. That's been a bucket list that I've never gotten to see live. Yeah. Uh, when my dog, we're bla- we're very fortunate, man. It's- well, luckily he's 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 into this world. I mean, it's something that Matt J. Mascus is. I, I remember you guys had a, one of his decks there for a while, and so he's into it. So probably that would yeah. help you out a little bit. But man, that was um. So there's two things, if I may. Um, well, you said bouncing souls. So we used to do all our anniversary parties at the skate park. We'd right. be like, all right, and here's who made the cut on Saturday at like 6.30. And we're like, okay, now everybody's got to clear out. And we'll, we're going to reopen the park at 8 o'clock. Yeah. You know, five kegs, five-year anniversary, it's free. And, uh, you know, Avail was awesome to, to see. And like I said, Sam I Am and so many other bands. But when the bouncing souls came to town – uh, we brought them to town with Andrew WK, Andrew WK, and we just had some pretty good hookups, and bands were still playing for like three grand, you know? Right. Like now, bands just don't get on the road. It's it's hard for bands to travel, but that was our tenure. And speaking of Tom DeGeorge, that's when I, I really became good friends and, and, and got to know Tom DeGeorge, because we brought our 10-year anniversary party to the masquerade. Yeah. And... Um, and we just not it, it was the best party I think they've ever had at that kind at that time. And I was on the pool table dancing. People were breaking shit, and Tom would be like, "Get down from there!" And I'd be like, "Break a pool stick over my head," and he'd be like, "Ah!" And then he'd break a pool stick, so he couldn't kick us out. But he joined the party, and it was like a moment of my life that I'll never forget. The that party being our tenure, you know, and then then we continued to do all the anniversary parties outside of the park because it was just too much work. But later on, it led to Dinosaur Junior, which was our first. Um, let me you might do the math real quick. Um, I think it was two. Oh, it's two thousand and seven. Was Dinosaur Junior um, Nike? decided they wanted to become a part of the skate park, but they didn't want to just like put their logos on everything. They were going to like, we ripped every ramp down and had an empty warehouse. So we started with a blank canvas and they were like, we want to bring the best parties and the best bands. And then one thing came to the next. It's like, how about dinosaur junior? We're like, duh, no brainer. Cause it's such embedded in skateboarding and vert and alien workshop and, and the early nineties. And, uh, so it was a perfect fit. And, you know, we had like 2000 people at the Cuban club, got to see dinosaur junior. Um, so as you know, one of your favorite bands, you should figure out where they're playing and go see them no matter what. But we were very fortunate, man, to, to have that level of the webcast dinosaur junior. And then the next, that was for am. And we used to do the contest January am, and then pro in March. They right. were so close to one another. Um, it's now spread out, you know, where it's like November and now March. But that same year, we brought a, a Red Bull vert ramp down to the Cuban club. 
uh, and Red Bull gave us the vert ramp to use at the park thereafter. Um, but they brought, uh, Nike brought Band of Horses that year. Yeah. Which was just like an epic moment. And the contest got rained out because it was a light mist rain. And I remember standing on top of the vert ramp and watching Band of Horses play and, and the vocals were like misty coming off of with a light rain. And it was like, I was like, transcendent. It was just, it was just pretty epic, man. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier you're approaching 50. Uh, I've seen 40. (laughs) Well, you know, in skateboarding, uh, there's those that have aged gracefully and those that haven't so much, uh, you know, I think lost, uh, Jeff Grasso this year. Uh, Jake Phelps was not too long ago. Um, you know, you're starting to forget Preston Mygator. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that was one of my homies too. So, well, I mean, some are in prison, some are dead and, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of, uh, Jay Adams, uh, who's the other guy? Neil, uh, the guy who's got Mar- tattoos all over his Mar- face. Mark Hubbard. No. He passed away, man. It's been, it's been, a, well, let's, yeah. let's almost get past it. It's been a, it's been a rough, it's been a rough five years for skateboarding and we've lost some great people that put a big dent in the world of skateboarding and took over the Instagram world. Um, you know, so right on everybody. Getting getting older though, and seeing the new blood coming in, what's do you do you try and cultivate a, a father figure relationship with these people? Do you just let them kind of do their thing? Do they come to you for advice? Um, you know, I had Keenan on here, and and you know, I think it's I think everybody's different. I have different relationships with with every all the all the younger guys, right? And the you know the the middle aged guys and the old, older guys, so. And then we're all connected, you know, the park is, you know, there's, there's 20 of us working there and we have like the online side and the retail side, and then we have the campsite. So there's a whole different adult personalities that connect with, you know, the kids that are eight, uh, from 13 to 18, you know, um, and Keenan and those guys, you know, that are, you know, freshly turning like 21, you know, so it's a, it's a unique age, but everybody and everybody has their own special kind of connection. And I have, I mean, I could talk for days about, you know, a lot of the connections I have with the kids that come to the park that are young, that I do feel like I'm like big bro or dad, you know, and then the the guys that work at the park, like it's pretty awesome, man. And, and we got a really respectful crew and, and uh, I'm pretty lucky to not be hated as a boss. Cause sometimes I can kind of come in heavy and, and people are like, man, he's tripping. Is 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 the the plan to to keep it keep it where it's at until you're done, or is there growth still? Like, are you, do you have other designs on things that you're planning, or you know, the park? We change the course every year. We're always fixing or adding something, um, so we'll tune it up. I keep going, man. This is my last year to put this kind of effort or these kind of changes and just ride it out. But I don't think it would be the skate park of Tampa if we weren't not only changing the course but changing something to still be relevant or make the park more comfortable or do something digital um, or hosting contests. So no, we're still going to keep, you know, plugging away and trying to make things different. And then, um, you know, I think I was like, man, 25 years, the time where I might just like try to put it on cruise control, but it's never been cruise control. It's kind of up, down, up, down. Are we going to make it this year? Are we going to make it next year? And, and right now I think, you know, we're doing okay, you know, through the rest of this year and we'll be all right next year. And, you know, soon enough, it's going to be 30 years. So I don't know. I don't think we'll 
I don't think we can reinvent too much, but we seem to do a good job, you know, with everything as, you know, we, we were doing even this like digital thing, uh, this digital event now in place of Tampa AM, which is global amdemic, which is really kind of helped keep us in the, in, in the world and keep Tampa AM relevant. Relevant. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have 500 people that participated in that and, and Sam, whose real name is Uncle Sam that works with us and has for almost now 10 years. And Paul Zitzer, they put together this concept to do this digital contest that's been super fun, man. And we're right in the middle of it. And we had over 500 dudes from all over the world cut down to 30. Now they're cut down to 12. And Monster Energy helped us out with that and Independent and Santa Cruz and and all the NHS brands. So it's been really fun. So as you say, what's next? Are you going to keep evolving? And But I guess we are. And sometimes even though we're not building something new, we're doing it digital right now. So we're very fortunate to kind of keep coming up with new ideas and have a creative crew that can kind of put it together as well. With the online store, um, one of the things that I noticed during the pandemic, if you walked an aisle in tar- Target or even Joe Haskins Bike Shop or any of these places, you couldn't find a bike for the first few months of the pandemic. Was it similar with skateboarding? I mean, kids had to find something to do by themselves or outside or whatever was there did you notice any kind of a swing and yeah it's um you know thankfully as we were closed and i think other shops were closing that didn't have the online potential to operate like we have you know or you were kind of ahead of the curve with that store right we we were in the beginning you know like online you know i mean there there was ccs and and a lot of other brands but we were we weren't at their level with volume because i don't think we ever really learned how to to really market and, and, but it paid our bills and it's a big contribution. It's, it's over 50% of our income, you know, well, without plus you have online. a street cred. So I would imagine there's some amount of loyalty, like a lot of the people that come through there before they would go to CCS or whatever, they're going to go to skate park of Tampa. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate on that, you know, and, um, and thankfully we have the street cred because we definitely have business because of it and the contest when we do that and we have our commercials that our people see around the world we just need to figure out how to ship globally you know and um but we're very lucky with that and um forgot where i was going with where we were talking about uh mail order and just uh, evolution digital and and all that kind of stuff well uh before you go you brought me some gifts and uh, this is something i was aware of through i mean there's quite a bit of content on youtube from from the skate park uh between the contest and everything else but at some points for some of the anniversaries you did a collaboration was it always with cigar city not i mean cigar city uh we were very fortunate to do the the 20 year beer called the moat water yeah um with those guys uh and became really good friends with everybody over there you know justin and joe um but we did senior or junior at junior yeah um I've only seen senior on uh, at the gym, Extreme Fitness down in Hyde Park a long time ago. He's a legend. You got to listen to his interview. It's, I will. It's it's a business class. That yeah. guy is genius. I mean, there's not a more street savvy, socially aware person. He just he had these little. He was like, you know what you do when a guy gets up on the stage? You make the girls get off, and then the, the crowd will do the work for you. Yeah. He's like, I, I didn't have to pay anybody to get up there and throw them off. The girls stop dancing, the crowd will get them out of there. He knows. He's been through it, man. He's on the streets. You know, he learned, you know. The hard and, way. Uh, yeah, the, the hard way. But he's got this thing that he's built, I think, in Ebor that's set up to to grow hemp and all this other stuff. And as soon as they he's just waiting, legalize probably, right? weed, he's going to – he doesn't need to change a thing, and he's going to be – 
on top of it. Yeah, it's a uh, but but back to back to junior. Yeah, yeah. Um those guys have been just super cool and helped us do the moat water for our 20 year and they helped us do you know, we put some the ply in the tank and mashed the beer. It was one of the best projects in my life that I've ever been a part of because I was hands-on and they let us come there and kind of work with them and and uh it was a super fun project and then they they ended up doing this letting us do a 25 year kind of, you know, homage to the the moat water with a little bit of change of flavor and we still did the deck and both projects were super awesome the first one was rad because you know we scooped water from the moat outside of the skate park at tampa for those that don't know the moat is uh an iconic race where people line up in the moat run under the bridge and eat oil and carburetors and get egged and floured for about 200 feet you know with helmets on at every pro and am contest except for the last three or four i think it's uh it's a liability (laughs) it's so nasty too man but anyway but the collaborations man we're very fortunate to be whether it be a beer company or a skateboard company and uh and just the 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 contributions from everybody around the world, you know, that's, that's helped us, you know, keep everything going. I love that Lance Mountain did the graphic. That was my first deck was a silver Lance Mountain with the, oh, yeah? yeah, the guys, so the running street, like, the street plants or the, no, the ones where they're running, holding like the, 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 the medieval skateboards. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah like the, the yeah. mountain wall art. I had that. I had a skull skates, a vandals deck. I, yeah. I still remember all of them. And I decided I was going to cut, my vandals deck into a hammerhead like uh like soy. soy yeah i don't know what i was thinking i wish, wish i still had that deck well it's getting late i'm sure you're getting hungry you've worked a full day i i can't thank you enough for coming down here this has been uh, bigger for me than you probably realize um it's great I, hearing all these stories i really appreciate it man and I, and I think you've only been trying to get me on the show since march so i'd like to apologize for standing you up so many times I, it's better it's better <laughs> it's it built up built up a. Uh, expectation but it paid off it, it, it met met all standards so thank you so much i really appreciate yeah, you i wish you the best of luck and uh take care let's hang out more i for sure and oh by the way thank you for not making me skate i had this big fear you're gonna make me no, like do a man now that time will come man so <laughs> hey man thank you for having me and and thanks for all the support all right